You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. It's Christmas, so that's why there's another crazy way for Sam to combine culture with the Bible. So last year it was the Gospel According to the iTunes Top 20. This year it's Retail Therapy, and it's our final sermon tonight, entitled Wow Starts Now. Thanks to David Jones. (laughs) Hey, did I just hear Mark Tannehill's laugh? Yes, Tanners, it's good to have you back, mate. It's all the way from Dublin. I thought it was you. I thought it was you. That's how I'm going to know I'm in heaven, mate. It's I'm either going to hear the voice of the Lord or you laughing, one or, one or the other. Oh, wow, it's good to be in church. Wow does start now, doesn't it, now that Tanners is back. Hey, um, who writes these ads? Who writes these ads? I mean, how much does Saatchi and Saatchi get paid to come up with that? <laughs> and what's ironic, I've been saying, is that They get paid all of this money to try and strip something out of the essence of Christmas. And here's why. Because people want the principles of Christmas. They want the love and the joy and the peace. But they don't want the person of Christmas. You won't go to DJs. You won't see Jesus hanging out in the corner of Market Street, David Jones. You won't get him there unless it's in a novelty shop. Or section of David Jones there. But look, here's the thing. How do we engage that culture? The premise has been for us in this series is that what if we understood that under the great lines of every great culture is the ultimate line, the ultimate story, the story that we Christians call the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ. And what if tonight as a Christian, you began to really think about it and unravel yourself from these cultural um, narratives and, and re- recover this Christmas message, this essence of the message that, that's underneath this cultural captivity. More importantly, if you're not a believer tonight, firstly, we are so glad that you're here. This is what we're all about. And, and if, if you're not a believer, then our hope and our prayer tonight is that you would hang with us long enough to see the wow, to see the wonder underneath the lines that's not from David Jones, but from this wonderful book, the Bible. And so that's what we're going to read from now. You can read through in your iPhones, iPads, any type of electrical device that you would like. But we're going to read from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 23, the classic Christmas passage titled The Birth of Jesus Christ. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you, you are to give him the name Jesus." Because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. How many days out from Christmas Eve are we? Just a couple now. If you ask any of the kids in kids church, they'll tell you exactly how many days, how many hours, how many minutes, how many seconds until Christmas Eve, right? Because for a child, Christmas Eve has to be the most wonderful day of the year, right? Do you ever remember that feeling on Christmas Eve 
All the lights are up. The smell of the pine needles, if your parents were nice enough and lucky enough to get you a real tree. We're so plastic these days. But the smell of pine needles and the presence under the tree, and you couldn't help just get out there. It was just, there was such an excitement in your stomach, wasn't there? You, just, you could hardly sleep. I guess the question is, do you still feel the same this Christmas? Is there the same wonder? Is there the same wow for you this Christmas? Because the challenge in, is right for us adults is that life crowds in. Uh, the ups and downs, the stings of life come in and we, we lose that. And here's, here's the challenge straight up off the bat, that there is a wow and a wonder that we deeply desire and yet so often it's hard to find. Isn't that exactly what we talked through in our series a couple of weeks ago? And we talked about the search for contentment, this wow, this wonder, this otherworldliness that we desire. It's like fairy floss. I mean, the, the very act of tasting it dissolves it away. It doesn't last. And so this wow that we all instinctively know and have experienced as kids, it dissolves on us. And I guess we go one of two ways. You know, one way is you just get bitter about it. You just get bitter like Sam DeBrito today in the Sydney Morning Herald. I don't know if you saw his article, uh, but he, he says, I will not tell my kids the lie of Christmas. And he says, slaying Santa strikes me as an awesome start to a life of rational, secular curiosity. With any luck, my daughter will also see through the fairy tales and fabrication of Barbie dolls, princesses, and buying women's fashion as an outlet for her creative expression. <laughs> I'm thinking, lighten up, dude. <laughs> Someone tell him it's Christmas. Yeah, but isn't that how most of the unbelieving world think, right? Because there's no wonder. There's no miracles. There's no wow. Wow, wow doesn't start now. Oh, except, thankfully, thankfully, according to David Jones, wow does start now. Uh, wow does start now. It starts now. And, and look, here's the thing that I want to, here's where I want to go tonight. Here's the first thing. The wow that that you're really looking for is a wow beyond the gifts. You see, DJ's in their clip. It's all about the latest perfume or whatever gift you might have. But it's a wow beyond the gifts. Let's look at verse 18 here. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. This is the rude section of the Bible. You know, it's like... Before, before they got busy, before they had their honeymoon fun, Mary gets herself pregnant. That's, that's what the Bible is trying to say here in nice, safe language, which is just as well because we're a conservative people. And let me reframe this for you then. Is, is, this, is, this is what this birth means. Mary's fallen pregnant without any help from Joseph. He's thinking about divorcing her because he's going to get himself into all sorts of trouble according to Jewish law. Here's, here's what it's really saying. Have you guys ever heard of the guy Harrison O'Keeney? I think that's how you say his last name. This poor guy in May, um, this poor guy in May, he was the only survivor of a crew of 12 people when his tugboat capsized uh, in the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Nigeria. And basically what happened is that they sent a whole heap of divers down to scour through the wreckage and pretty much pull most of the corpses out. You might have seen this now, it might be coming back to you. But have you ever wondered what it was like for Harrison? Because this guy, as the, the diver went down and he's reaching through, he sees a hand and 
suddenly the fingers begin to move. And the diver is scared out of his wits. He actually swears into the microphone in the, in the, in the diving suit. He's like, eh, you know, he's, he was just... <laughs> what, wouldn't you if you go looking for a dead body and it grabs your hand? Oh, of course. <laughs> but think, think of how poor Harrison felt. Three days at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, no light, total and complete darkness because all the lights have been blown out with the electricity. The boat is sunk. Sitting at the bottom of the ocean for three days, listening to the fish eat the rest of his friends. And in fact, one article states that at that time he prayed to God incessantly to pull him out of that, that mess. And at the moment that he said that he had given up all hope of life, he sees a light. And he sees bubbles come up through the upside-down kitchen that he was clinging to in this pocket of air. And from the other side, in the complete darkness, he sees a light and he sees a hand come up out through the water and grab him. How would, how would you feel if you were Harrison in that moment? He said, after that, I promised myself I will never go back into the ocean. I'm thought, of course, of course, mate, you've got every right to do that. But look, here's what I'm getting at. Here's what verse 8 is saying subtly. I know it doesn't seem like that with this verse that we hear every Christmas. But verse 8 is saying that the message of Christmas is that God has broken into the world like a diver. That the message of Christmas is actually a little bit darker than the rest of the world likes to think. <laughs> because the message of Christmas, according to this wonderful book, is that this world, in terms of God, from his perspective, is merely a pocket of air in the bottom of the Atlantic. That it's, it's a life, but it's, it's technically a living death. And I, 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 the essence, the essence of the doctrine of the incarnation, which is the big word of God becoming a human, shows us that if he has broken in, if he has broken into this world, then there is something other than this world around us. There is something other than the gifts. There is something other than what we see here, and it's not all there is. I mean, have you ever stopped as you're walking through the shops and thought for a second, why is it that a country in a world, let's be honest, where the majority don't even believe in this guy called Jesus Christ, celebrates a holiday tradition that's called Christ Mass? Uh, just you use, you use just everyday basic logic and you have to ask yourself, something historically has to have gone down here for this little baby story to take off so quickly and so expansively over the years. Where, where, to the point where millions of people now believe in this guy called Jesus, where empires fell, where calendars changed. And the point is that the, the, this baby grew to be a man. And there must have been something about both the mystery and the magnitude of this Jesus Christ guy that meant that the people who were closest to him, his family and his friends, would go to the grave declaring that, as John said in his little blog, we have seen God in Jesus. You've just got to work the logic out. So Christmas means for us in 2013 is that in some ways, whether you're a believer or not tonight, you've got to ask yourself the question, how do I account for the rise of Christianity? How do I account for this Christmas word being posted over every shop that I go to? And the message of Christmas is it's there because God broke in. We wouldn't have known either way otherwise. I guess look, you put it this way. 
a fish doesn't feel wet because the, the ocean is the environment for which it is built. And yet for us, this unrelenting yearning, this yearning for something more, something beyond, something greater than the Christmas Eve, this something beyond the gifts, according to David Jones, this yearning for something more tells us that there must be something more. And remember, we said in, this, in the search series, C.S. Lewis with his great line, if I find in myself desires that nothing in this world can satisfy, then I, I can only conclude that I'm not meant for here. <laughs> I'm meant for the beyond. <laughs> the wow, the wow that you are yearning and looking for is a wow that is beyond the gifts because God has broken in from the outside. Here's the second thing. The, the wow that you're looking for will involve some changes to your life. If you want to get wowed, it's going to, it's going to mean some changes. Look at verse 20. It says, uh, but after he had considered this, this is Joseph thinking about getting divorced. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. Now, what is this? You will give him the name Jesus. Joseph's getting told by the end. Joseph gets told, this is what you're going to call your kid. Now, I had a kid nine months ago, and part of the joy of it was dreaming up the name for the little guy. At least Kristen dreaming up the name for the little guy. Oh, I still think Zach is a cool name. I can relate to Joseph in some ways here. You will call him Zach. But... <laughs> Why do it this way? It's, it's totally against how parents normally give the kid the name, not someone else, particularly not an angel. Why do it this way? Here's why. God names you. You don't name God. God names you. You don't name, name God. You, you, can, you can't manage Jesus. Jesus will manage you. There's, there's a very subtle but powerful statement in what is going on here. It's saying, you've got to understand, there's, there's going to be some changes in your life, guys. That is, to be a Christian is to realize that God not only breaks into the world, but God is here to break into your life. And that is when he comes into your life, you, you never know what he's going to do. And that is because Christianity is not some self-improvement program. Christianity is not some pop psychology course. It's not a philosophy. Christianity is certainly not a diet. (laughs) Christianity is not something where you come in and work it out. Christianity works you out. And so anyone who's a Christian knows it, that you've brought something into your life that is totally out of control. (laughs) Totally out of control. I think it was C.S. Lewis again. I'm on his bandwagon tonight. But I think it was him that said that that being a Christian is like inviting a, a builder into your house. You invite him into your life and you, and you say, look, you know, my life's pretty messed up, builder. So, uh, so God, can you, can you come in and, and can you fix the doors? Because they've got gaps in them and the wind gets in and I get cold at times. And the roof leaks. And so when it rains, it's always dripping on the floor. And I just, I just want a bit of a spruce up. And okay, he says. Uh, and so he comes in, he starts filling the gaps and he patches the roof and that makes sense, you say. Uh, that's good. That's what I wanted him to do. And, and you're starting to trust this God builder with your life and so you leave him to do his thing for a day or two and then you come back and suddenly you realise that the lounge room wall's been knocked out. And there's three more bedrooms now. 
And then you go away another day and like he's put scaffolding up all over the place. And now suddenly there's a whole new wing out the side of your house that is your life. And, and so you just suddenly you begin to realize that all you wanted him to do was to come in and turn your life into this safe, secure little college, uh, cottage. And now he's building you into a palace. Something that you just never imagined a palace fit for a king or a queen. That's how God breaks into your life. That's what it means to be a Christian. He breaks into your life and he, yeah, he fixes certain things. But he, he, he totally re-renovates you into something wonderful. In other areas, he goes crazy. And so, yeah, I guess it's probably, it sounds like a forceful thing when you're dealing with this unmanage, unmanageable, uncontrollable force in your life. But I mean, like, look, you don't go, you don't go, you don't go dancing with a bear and expect the bear to dip you nicely and to spin you around, right? <laughs> it's, there's going to be a little bit of pain involved. <sighs> the wow that you really want will require some changes to your life. He names you, you don't name him. And here's where the wow comes from. Uh, let me put it another way. There is an adventure to being a Christian, and, and, and adventures always involve some serious change, right? All, it doesn't, every, every great story require some sort of change. In every great story, they, the key, it, I, I don't know if it's just me, but every great story that you read, the key figure, the hero, the heroine, they're, they're a librarian. They're, they're, a, they're just an everyday sort of person. Look, my uncle's a librarian, so they're a valued member of our society. But you know, the, every hero in a story has a safe, comfortable life, and then someone or something breaks in and calls them out of that security and away from that security, and, and, and all sorts of wonderful changes begin to happen in their life. You've, you've seen it. You know, Sam and Frodo, we're going to go watch The Hobbit. Sam and Frodo, Lord of the Rings, and they're called out of their safe, comfortable life in the Shire, and they're called into the depths and the darkness of Mordor. On the other end of the spectrum, Simba, who just couldn't wait to be king, got called out of the safety and the security of his own home to become the Lion King. Like we heard tonight, Narnia, Peter, Lucy, Edmund, they were called through the cupboard into the adventure that was Narnia. Every great hero is called out of security. And friend, tonight to become a Christian is to realise when God breaks not only into the world but into your life, you need to listen to that call away from your own security. And by the way, the one that's doing the call is the master of the universe. (laughs) So he knows what he's doing. But in the long run, here's the thing, in the long run, there's nothing more dangerous than to ignore him. And then the irony is, in the short run, there's nothing more dangerous than to obey him. (laughs) In the long run, there's nothing more dangerous to ignore him. In the short run, there's nothing more dangerous to obey him. You heard it. There is a wildness. He is a wild man, our God. There is an unpredictability. There is a danger. He's going to start tearing your place up. But it's because he's turning you into a palace. Look, do you, do you want a pussycat or do you want a lion for your Lord? You want a pussycat or do you want a lion? Do you want the adventure? Do you want the palace? If you do, you need to change. There has to be change. There's no wow without changes to your life. And, you know, ironically, you see, there's nothing more painful than to watch a child transition to adulthood. That's why we defined it as a thing called being a teenager. We've all been through it, most of us. 
most of our youth have got the night off, so it's okay, we can speak candidly. But, you know, as a teenager, most of us have been there. We've all been there. You know, you want the security of your childhood, but you want the freedom of your adulthood. And you want both. Teenagers always want both, right? I want both. I want the security, I want the freedom. You can't have both. And there's nothing more painful than to watch a teenage soul approach Jesus Christ. Because on one hand, you, you want all of your safety and security. You, they want God in their life, but then they don't want God in their life. They want a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing, is going to turn the place up, but then they don't want someone who's going to make them change. Real wow requires changes. You're not allowed to name God, but, but here's a promise. If you stop trying to name God, stop trying to tell God what to do, he'll name you. He'll give you a new name. He'll give you an identity. <laughs> and if you stop kicking and screaming and the dance with the bear, then maybe he might just tame you. <laughs> you have to lose yourself into the adventure that is Christianity in order to find yourself. I think there was somewhere in the Bible that sounded like that. But here's the point. The wow you'll want will involve some changes. Now, if he's broken into the world, and if God is here to break into your life tonight, how the heck does wow start now, <laughs> according to David Jones? Here's, here's how it starts, verse 23. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God with us. You see, that's how wow can start now, with the God with. With the God with. You see, the message of Christmas is that God is accessible to you tonight in the form of a baby. Now, for this type of season and for a lot of people, that sounds cute. It's cute. <laughs> but can't you, see, can't you see the problem that God is overcoming here? It's more than just cute. It's miraculous. You see, the great problem is how the heck do you relate to an unimaginable, all-holy, all-powerful being called God? How the heck do you relate to that? <laughs> How do, you, how do you connect with that? Can't you see the, it was always the problem for the old guys in the Bible. You know, Abraham, he was a pillar of smoke. And Moses, he was a, a, a burning bush. And for the Israelites, he was a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. Like, you, I don't know, you're not going to go sing Kumbaya with him or you know, roast marshmallows with him. He roasts you. So why go to all the trouble? Why go to all the trouble, God? Become a baby. A wriggling, crying, pooping baby. It's because there's a difference between knowing of God and knowing God. It's the Keith Urban principle. You may have heard it before. But I have to share with you because I do like to brag from time to time. But this year I experienced a wonderful, wonderful thing. For, for the first time in my life, oh, I scored front row tickets to a concert, to Keith Urban. And uh, Kristen and I were so excited. It was incredible. I loved nothing more than that wonderful feeling of pulling the tickets out of the top pocket and just strolling down to the front row past all the seats, just making sure that people were watching. In fact, I went out to the bathroom and then I redid it again just so they knew that I was in the, in the front row. And we're at Keith, and it was incredible. I mean, the wonderful thing, because so many of you poor souls have probably never been front row, so let me just... <laughs> just as a brother, let me share the joy with you. 
I mean, you, you, you don't even have to look at the big screens. I, I could see Keith's golden locks, hair by hair by hair, making up that wonderful head of hair. Every tattoo on his arms were just were like a vivid picture from the movies. Every drop of sweat I could see fling from his brow and, and move to the ground. And, 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 and can you even believe it? At the end of the concert, I got to touch him. <laughs> I haven't washed his hand for about eight months. And I'm thinking, this is so much better than the last concert we went to in row ZZ or wherever it was. That was can you believe the irony? That was the, that was the Keith Oban Get Closer tour. Oh, well, that was great. You get close, you're watching the screens and he's just this tiny little dot down there. Not this time. I was all Keith. <laughs> now, now. You know, I'm sure some of you, it's killing you tonight. You're saying, Keith Urban, you got to go front row. What, what was he like? I mean, what does he like to eat? What's his favourite song? I mean, what is it like to, to go to sleep with Nicole Kidman every night? Like, dear Sam, tell us, you, you must know. And I go, I don't know. How come? You were front row. Well, no, I was front row, but I, I know of Keith, but I don't know Keith. And even when it was front row in all of its wonderful glory, <laughs> let's not be wrong, get me wrong here, in all of its wonderful glory, you know, I, I, I lamented those frustrating people that you see at the end of a concert with those big things hanging around their neck. They always laminate them so they can keep them forever and it says backstage pass. You know, it was one thing to hold a front row ticket. It's another thing to hold one of those passes. Because if I just had a backstage pass, I could ask Keith what his favourite meal was. I could, I could ask him what it's like to, to live with Nicole Kidman. I could ask him what his favourite song is. Some of you tonight feel like you're in the front row of God's concert. Every wonderful sunset... Every beautiful, precious moment in life where this thing called love just explodes from your heart. Every wonderful piece of music, every incredible bit of artwork that is so wonderful and glorious that you've just got to grab the person next to you to tell them about it. And you go, man, God, I don't know if I believe in you. I don't know if you're real, but you've sort of got to be real in terms of what I'm experiencing. You're front row. You know of God, but you don't know God. And if I said to you tonight, well, what does God look like? <laughs> and what's God's favourite song? What, what makes God really tick? You know, what could you say? You'd say the same thing I would say about Keith. I don't know. I don't know him. You see, the issue with God's not about getting front row. One of his beautiful things uh, in, in, in this world is that even as an unbeliever, you get to enjoy his wonder and his radiance and his glory and his creation. He gives you front row tickets tonight. But the deeper question for you tonight is whether or not you want to go backstage. That's where the wow is. That's where the wonder is. To be able to ask, to be able to see, to be able to discern, to be able to sit with God. To see him for who he really is. How do you get a backstage pass to God, I hear you ask? No, it's not a ticker tech. <laughs> It's the great question of the Bible. All of the old characters of the Old Testament were always scrambling for a backstage pass. Moses wanted a backstage pass up on Sinai and God said, I'm not giving you a backstage pass. You can just see my outskirts. You can just see my downtown. You, just, you can see my little, just the peripheries of me, but there's no backstage pass here. <laughs> 
They all wanted that and no, they, they couldn't get half or a fraction of what you and I could have access tonight because that was a great question. To get too close would not only scare you to death, it would actually be death itself. The pillar of smoke, the pillar of fire. And look how we get to come to know this God of Christianity tonight. We get to know him as a baby. A weeing, pooping, crying baby. <laughs> and what does a baby mean? A baby means he's, God is vulnerable. God's accessible. You pick babies up you know, until they get three or four years old. You can kiss them as much as you want. They can't complain. They're accessible. You see what's happening at Christmas? God removed the great barrier of front row tickets and he invites you backstage tonight. If and here's the thing. If the great God of the universe went to all of this trouble and crosses the universe and shifts so much to become a wriggling baby to get near you, my question for you tonight is what are you doing to get near him? What are you doing? Is it, what, what is it that's keeping you from him tonight? What, what, is it, is it, is, what is keeping you from that sense of hope and that sense of adventure that could be present in your life tonight? That wow, what is keeping you from the wow? How much do you sense his presence? How much have you been backstage with him? I mean, practically, is it, is it a habit that you don't want to give up? Or is it a, an agenda, a way of living life that you don't want to give up? Is it simply a lack of discipline, Christian? Are you too pressed down with all the other Christmas things? Are you too busy to say, oh, you know, I wish I had more of this God stuff. He's accessible to you tonight. I mean, what did it cost him to get near to you? And we're worried about what it costs us to get near to him. If God really has broken in, broken into the world and, and, has, and wants to break into your life to call you into this adventure, then tonight a lukewarm response to this is that's not enough. It's not enough. John Stott said every encounter Jesus uh, had with people, people wanted to either run, they either wanted to kill him or they fell down and they worshipped him. Lukewarm's not an option if you've encountered the wow of Jesus Christ. And didn't we see that in, in Sarah's wonderful testimony in the baptism tonight? It's, this is a, it's a wild God. It's an uncontrollable God. It's a God that's always wanting to break into your life. My question is, have you been wowed, not by David Jones, but by God tonight? It can start now. And here's how you know that wow has started now in your life. Uh, there, there's a hope beyond the, the gifts. If God has broken in, then it means that the gifts are not your source of wonder. More importantly, if there's a world other than this world, then your circumstances this Christmas, no matter how crap they are, your circumstances aren't your source of wonder. You know wow started if, if there's a hope in your life. You also now know that the wow has started now when you come to realize that you're in a dangerous adventure and you know that you've got this builder Spiritual builder inside you, ripping walls out in the first place in your life and changing them around and turning you into a palace. But more importantly, you've listened to the call from the shire of your own desires and your own agenda and your own security. And it's wonderfully exciting. And it's wonderfully exhilarating. And finally, you know wow started now because there's a joy beyond the gifts because you've gone backstage. You don't know him fully. In fact, the Bible says you can never fully know him until we see him face to face. 
but you're getting to know him, not know of God tonight. And so I guess the question is, if, if someone here is saying right now in this moment, that ain't me, there is no hope, there is no sense of adventure or exhilaration, there is no sense of knowing God, then I've got some good news and I've got some bad news for you tonight. I'll start with the bad news. The realness, the rawness of Christianity and the message of Christmas says, the bad news says that it's, it's not as rosy as you think. The bad news is that uh, this realisation of the hopelessness and a lack of adventure is a realisation that the life you're living is simply in a temporary pocket of air. It's a life. You're technically alive, but spiritually, it's no more than a living death. But, but... The good news is, the good news is the God of the universe is searching for you. And no matter how long that you have been waiting, a light has broken in. No matter how long you've been waiting in this moment and in this message, bubbles are coming up to the surface. And no matter how long that you have been waiting in the darkness, a hand has busted through the water up at you. Wow, wow can start now. For you tonight, Christian, non-Christian, come to him, receive him, accept him, trust him. Wow can start now. Let's pray.